0: My name is Jessica Brennan, and I am obsessed with all things clean living and helping you lead a clean, healthy lifestyle that doesn't have to be hard, expensive, or time-consuming. I'm a mama of twin boys who found some really scary ingredients in the natural body wash we were using and turned my outrage into passion to help others eliminate toxins from their daily lives. Listen in on honest conversations and learn the best tips and tricks to take control, simplify, and rid toxins from your mind, body, spirit, and home. If you're ready to take the plunge into clean living but aren't quite sure where to start, you are in the right place. This is the Clean Living Made Easy Podcast. Welcome. Today, we are going to be talking to the host of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast and author of the nonfiction book Sustainable Minimalism, Stephanie Safarian. Stephanie lives just outside of Boston. With her two daughters her yellow labrador retriever ten thousand ish bees which i'm obsessed with i've always wanted to have bees <laughs> and a husband who loves to compost as much almost as much as she does her mission is to help others create eco-minimalist non-toxic homes without extra work and it's such a, such a treat to have her here today to talk to us about how we can be more mindful of how our daily activities can impact the environment and give us some simple tips, as we're always talking about here, how to simplify things to incorporate into our clean living journey. So welcome, Stephanie. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in sustainable
1: living? Yes, well, yes. And before we get into all that, I just want to thank you so much, Jessica, for having me on the show. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, the introduction was A+, and I got into sustainable minimalism through minimalism first. I you know, the short version of the story is that I had my first daughter, and we were living in a little apartment, and her stuff just pushed us out of our home. I spent every free moment I had, and it was not many free moments as a new mom. I spent them putting her stuff away, washing her clothes, trying to find places for the baby gear. And one day I thought to myself, let's work smarter, not harder. Let's declutter her excess. And I had a real aha, come to Jesus, whatever you want to call it, moment when I was looming over a pile of stuff that I was ready to get rid of. And I found myself wondering, well, where is all this going to go? Like, I don't, I could donate it, I could give it away, I could sell some of it. But at the end of the day, this is all going likely to a landfill. And so minimalism wasn't the answer for me, because minimalism is all about, in 2023 at least, pretty spaces and clear countertops. And I wanted all that, and I still want all that, but I also wanted something deeper, which was a life in which I was not harming the planet by over-consuming, over-purchasing stuff that I truly didn't need. So, that moment again, I'm giving you the longer story, and I apologize no, I love it. more details better <laughs> <laughs> uh that was the moment where I realized I'm not just a minimalist, I'm a sustainable minimalist, and the cure that what I can do is I can purchase smarter and I can purchase less and That was my gateway into sustainability
0: I love that i I think, as you know parents in general. It's so easy to accumulate things, right? And especially like people are gifting things and mm. your your kids are changing what they're interested in and all of that stuff. And I think um, especially as a new parent, you know, I, I work a lot with new parents who are like all of a sudden thinking about things that they hadn't been thinking of before. And it's like, okay, well, now I have this baby and they're gonna get, you know, older. And then what kind of world am I leaving them with? So just having that consciousness early on is really, really awesome. Um, And I love that you have that epiphany and that you've learned all these tricks and tips and you can share them with us. So So how do you define sustainability and what does it mean to you?
1: So let me just say, Jessica, I love this question because people throw these words around, eco-friendly, clean, natural, sustainable, but nobody really knows what they mean. And that just contributes to the greenwashing that is running rampant. Can you define
0: Um, that a little bit for those who are listening that don't know what greenwashing is?
1: Oh, sure. Greenwashing is when a brand tries to look or seem eco-friendly or maybe even sustainable uh, by highlighting a teeny, tiny little portion of their mission that's eco-friendly and choosing to ignore all the grossly um, polluting or unsustainable practices. Or greenwashing could also be saying a product is eco-friendly, making the packaging look eco-friendly. Maybe it's a cardboard box with, you know, green leaves or a cow in a pasture. So it looks, you know, really just benign. But that's all smoke and mirrors because the manufacturing processes, the whatever that goes into the product is inherently um, unsustainable. So to go back to your question about what does sustainable mean? Well, I like to answer that question by first defining eco-friendly. To me, something that's eco-friendly is something that does not in this moment in time do harm to our planet and our ecosystems and our natural environment. That to me is eco-friendly. Sustainable takes the eco-friendly definition one step further, because sustainability has a future component. So not only is this thing or this action or this electric car or whatever the thing is, it's not hurting our planet right this minute, but it also is forward thinking and it's thinking about uh, doing as minimal harm as possible for future generations. So that's sustainable. It's a very high bar. And again, people and especially marketers who want to sell a product, they throw this word out, which has deep inherent meaning. They throw it out like it's, I don't know, candy. And oh, nilly, Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's so frustrating. I mean, I think most of us want to do better, right? And so these are the words that we're gravitating towards. And so many companies, know that and they use it as marketing tool and not really as an actual way to make things better. And most people don't realize that that's totally acceptable that companies can do that. Um, and so I think just having that knowledge and that awareness is really, really helpful going through this process of becoming more eco-friendly, more sustainable, more, you know, living a cleaner, healthier lifestyle.
1: And I just cut in there for a second oh. and say that, you know, I'm sure your listeners are aware that in the non-tox or low-tox realm, there are plenty of products that are marketed incorrectly. Like um, just because Johnson and Johnson says free of phthalates and parabens, that doesn't mean there aren't PEGs in it, right? It's the same type of just it's just a marketing gimmick to trick us.
0: Well, and the thing is, um, being in this space for so long and seeing the change in knowledge and, and education that people have gotten over the last few years, those words did not need to be on bottles five, six years ago. People mm-hmm. are understanding now that they need to avoid these things through different things that they've read or heard, but they're not understanding that deeper level of like, well, the way that this the industries are set up is companies can say those things. And actually, in some circumstances, I don't know if you know this, but there could still be parabens and phthalates in the product, even if it says paraben or phthalate free, that's in there inadvertently, like through another ingredient. And they're not personally putting it in the bottle, they can say it's those things. And it's not (laughs) sometimes and it's like as consumers, we wouldn't even know. So there's all these layers. And I think it's important for people to just know that they're there. And to you know, go towards trying to find reliable information, make smarter choices. Yeah, So I love that. And I love um, that you focus a lot of this on your podcast, talking about these two worlds of minimalism and sustainability. Um, and we did kind of talk about this a little bit, but I'd love for you to kind of um, dive into it a little bit more. But how does minimalism relate to sustainability? Um, and why do you think that's so important?
1: So minimalism in 20, first of all, let me just say minimalism, minimalist living, living with less, that has been around for thousands of years. Um, Major world religions are founded on minimalist principles. However, minimalism in 2023 is about having less clutter, for better or for worse, Um, having less things to distract you from what truly matters. And when we talk about distractions in terms of, you know, sustainable minimalism, we're often talking about possessions, possessions that we don't need, shouldn't have bought, shouldn't have wasted our hard earned money on. It's a trendy, you know, it item now, but tomorrow it's, it's TikTok,
0: we're like, "Oh, we got to have that," and really it does nothing for us.
1: <laughs> yeah, tomorrow it's clutter and you're think you're kicking yourself wondering why you bought it. Um, you know, so if you're just a minimalist, I say amazing because when you buy less stuff and when you buy what you do need with intention and with conscious consumerist principles behind them, you are, without even knowing it, you are being eco-friendly because our the stuff we buy has an impact on the planet. We're usually taking, not we, but I would say manufacturers are usually taking non-renewable resources, water fossil fuels, et cetera, to create the product. And then the product is shipped to a store or shipped to us. And then there are the afterlife concerns in which we're sticking this thing likely in a landfill where it's going to decompose, but not naturally create leachate and just, you know, pollute surrounding areas. And so if we just buy less, that is a profoundly eco-friendly practice, I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Because I think um, that that giving some of that focus for people on how to, to start, like that kind of will probably um, come up again as I ask you more about that. Like, where do you start? But I think that's really important is just knowing that just by buying less, you're being eco more eco-friendly and um, not really giving into that mentality of more, 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 which is what we're kind of, you know, guided to just based on advertising and social media and it's like oh we need that we need it. we think we have all these problems that these products are going to solve when in reality we don't necessarily need them so
1: mm-hmm.
0: i love that take a step back think shop at home <laughs> and then purchase if you feel like you really need that item great so yeah i love that hey there jessica here ready to make cleaning at home a breeze while also playing your part in protecting our planet Let me introduce you to a game changer, the force of nature system. I have been using force of nature for years and love how it uses a unique technology to transform simple ingredients, water, a capsule of salt, vinegar, and water, and a slight charge of electricity into a household cleaner and disinfectant that's as effective as traditional bleach. But here's the thing. It does all of this without any harmful chemicals or irritants. It's hypoallergenic and EPA registered for disinfecting and sanitizing. It eliminates 99.9% of germs, including viruses, bacteria, mold, and mildew. Force of Nature is more than just a powerful cleaner. It's a sustainable solution that helps you to reduce waste. Say goodbye to single-use plastic bottles and say hello to Force of Nature's eco-friendly system. So why wait? Head over to cleanproductjunkie.com forward slash force of nature and get the latest exclusive coupon codes that can save you up to 50% step into a cleaner, safer, and greener home with force of nature. Um, Okay, so what are some simple and practical ways that people can start living a more sustainable lifestyle?
1: So number one, buy less stuff, right? (laughs) Um, There are so many benefits beyond helping the planet. (laughs) The big one being, you know, you save money. The other one being you don't have the overwhelm associated with like putting stuff away and organizing and maintaining and cleaning stuff. So that would be my step 1 is, you know, really take a good hard look at your purchasing behavior. And if that sounds scary, which it was for me when I started on this journey. When I started on this journey, I bought whatever I could afford and I didn't even think <laughs> like I there was I didn't even know there was another way. So I suggest for people step 1, if you really want to look at your purchasing behavior is to take a one month, like no spend challenge. So 30 days, you you buy stuff you need, obviously, like groceries, you pay your bills, like your car payment and your mortgage or rent or whatever it is, but you don't buy extra. You don't buy that cute new outfit that um, Facebook is targeting with you with that targeted ad. You're not buying dinner out because you're tired and want tacos. Like you're and and the purpose of a nose fan challenge, in my opinion, is that it recenters you. We live in a society in which we are trained from literal infancy, literal infancy, to be consumers, to To not be happy with what we have and to purchase more in hopes of reaching that inner peace. However, when we shut that down, we like play a little game with ourselves. We say, no, we're not. We're we're on a no spend challenge. You get to recenter and you get to realize again something we all cognitively know, but so few of us feel, which is that nothing, no possession. Is going to bring us happiness. Like, think about a new car. Like, we all feel so excited about our new car for, I don't know, two weeks, a month max, and then it's just a car. Take that example and apply it to everything else in your life. It's all just fluff. So, that's my first example. If you want more examples like line drying your clothes or you know, that kind of stuff. I'm happy to give those as well. But. Yeah. But
0: No, no, I think that's good. And I, I always want to help people like just kind of fo- be able to focus on one thing um, mm-hmm. as they're starting any journey, because it can definitely be overwhelming. Um, and Stephanie has amazing resources on her website. We'll talk more about that here shortly. Um, and her podcast is awesome. So tons of great tips as soon as you're ready for that next level. Um, so I love that. So my next question is, like, how do you address some of the challenges of living sustainably? I think a lot of people don't even start to breach this topic because they feel like it's so overwhelming, especially when it comes to like accessibility and affordability and convenience. Um, Can you address some of those things as, you know, just kind of addressing people's concerns to maybe implement more of this into their lives?
1: Yes. So I'll address accessibility first. Um, For large, Areas of our nation, like you can't even access the eco friendly option or the organic food specifically. I mean, food deserts are a thing. And so, if the better choice is not simply not accessible to you because it's not offered, and I say you just do the best you can with what you have. I mean, we're not we're not driving three miles to go to a, or sorry, we're not driving three hours to go to a farmer's market. Um, We're going to do the best
0: counterproductive,
1: (laughs) right? Fossil fuels and all that. Uh, But we're going to do the best we can with regard to the financial um, barrier that I hear a lot about and I hear that like just going with the car example. I mean, an electric car on average is four thousand dollars more expensive than the same model but conventional gas guzzling, and so and so. Yes, in a lot of cases, the more eco friendly product does indeed require a heftier upfront cost. And for listeners who cannot afford that heftier upfront cost, I say again to you again, do the best you can with what you have um, and feel really good about that. Know also too, however, that when it comes to affordability, there are plenty of instances in which the more eco-friendly action is also more affordable. Like just a simple example here is, you know, my family, we do not buy paper products. We do not buy paper towels. We do not buy napkins. I have a Uh, drawer of rags, which is old stained, cut up clothes. (laughs) Um, I've done out the math and I don't have it on me now, but I'm saving hundreds of dollars a year by using rags, which is stuff I already had over paper products. And that's just one example, but reuse, repurposing, upcycling, that's all incredibly eco-friendly and it's all free. Right. So I hope I hope that does it. But again, the the take home message here is, you know, do the best you can in the season of life you're in with the resources you have and don't feel bad about it.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think for me, when I first started implementing a lot of changes in my lifestyle, that was always nagging at me, like thinking about where I wanted to be versus where I was and what I could afford to do. Um, and really eventually coming to that same conclusion, like it'll balance out over time. Like maybe there's something that you end up having to pay for every month. That's a little more expensive because you want it to be safer, or more eco-friendly, but then thinking about all those things that you've done, building up to that, like, you know, not buying paper products anymore and other things that eventually balance it out so that you have those funds available. Um, and then, so kind of on that, um, front like the convenience factor I I know a lot of people maybe they're thinking oh getting rid of paper products that's very inconvenient so can you talk to that a little bit um how people can start implementing these changes and understanding that maybe there might be a little bit of legwork to it obviously these things are sold to us because they are convenient right so that's a bit of an adjustment period like do you have any tips for for that
1: yeah I love this question um I'm trying to think where I should start. I have so much to say. I guess I would say first that, you know, whenever you try to do something differently, whether it's, you know, you try to do something that's more eco-friendly, whenever you try to do something that's more creative, whatever you try and do differently in your life, there's always a learning period there's always an adjustment period i think would be a better phrase in which it seems really darn hard right um, in which it seems like why am i doing this uh, i can't get it together i'm all jumbled up and just whenever you make an eco-friendly change like know that that is going to occur and that adjustment period the length of it is going to be different depending on the Um, amount of change you're making, right? Big changes have bigger adjustment periods. And so to know that in the, in the upfront, to know that upfront means that you're going to give yourself more grace as you are seeking to take this change and adopt it into your life. That said, once a change, so first of all, do only one thing at a time. Mm, Don't start, Brewing your own coffee and making your own sourdough, and don't buy bees and also get chickens at the same time. That is like, that's trust me, I tried. It's a that.
0: Recipe for disaster, right? Like I, I see yeah. so many people fail when they try to do all these things. They're like, I just can't do it anymore. It's like, yeah, that's because you did too much at once.
1: <laughs> yes, and I can say that because I am a zero to Oprah type person. And when <laughs> I decide I'm doing something, I do all the things. So, but don't do don't do what I do. Do one thing at a time. And um, give yourself grace during the adjustment period and know that on the other side of the adjustment period is like seamlessness, right? Like it's so easy because it's just been incorporated into your life. I'll also say too here that products of convenience are marketed to us as such because brands, corporations, marketers, advertisers, they want to sell to people who think that they are time crunched and overwhelmed, and they just need a product of convenience to make their lives easier. But like, give like any example, let's take the paper products example, not because it's all that impactful, but because we've been talking about it, like Is going to the store to stock up on paper towels in which you, how many hours did you work? Maybe half an hour to buy the paper towels, but whatever. To work to buy, to get the money to buy the paper towels, to bring them home, to throw them in the trash. Like, is that really like all that convenient? Like, I mean, maybe, but I would say the convenience factor is negligible for the not only the price you're paying, but also for the environmental impact that your action is having. The convenience, in my mind, when you weigh all those factors in, like it doesn't even, it's not even worth it. It's not convenient anymore. I'd rather just use my rags. Right.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's such a great point. Because I think, um, again, we're all kind of victims of that marketing, those marketing tactics. It's like, we, that's what we think. We don't ever stop to think about that. And I think that's super important just to kind of plant those, that seed. And like, is it really that much more convenient than just doing something like we all have old t-shirts we can use as rags and other things around the house? You know, it's, it's all relative at the end of the day. And to know that that shift, it's not even a huge change, but that shift is, has like lasting impacts over the years. Yeah. Positive impacts by making that change. I love that. Um, Okay. So in your opinion, what are some of the biggest obstacles that would prevent people from adopting a more sustainable lifestyle? And then how can we overcome those?
1: Well, in addition to the ones we discussed, accessibility, finances, I would say that ones that I experience and come across in my personal life, not my podcasting life, but my, my personal life is people who Have this view of environmentalism or eco friendly living as it's for this certain subset of the population. It's for hippies or it's for socialists or it's for like people who are so out of touch with the problems of the common human. And I would say to that, um, you know, we all have one thing in common and that is our home, our planet. And so if there's ever been any topic (laughs) where we should all rally around, it is the health of planet earth. Because if planet earth goes down, guess what? The human race is also going down. And um, I would just say to anybody who's skeptical, I would say, turn on the news and pay attention because it's looking really dire.
0: Right. No, that's true. And I think I do feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do feel like that is shifting slightly. I think that um, there's still obviously a lot of people out there that have those sentiments, but I do feel like there's more people that are jumping on board with this and understanding that these small shifts have a huge impact and little changes add up over time. And it's our duty, like for the future generations, to take these things into account and make the changes that we can. Do you think it's getting a little bit better?
1: I do think it's getting better. Going to the car example, Elon Musk has done something amazing which has made which is which is he has made electric cars cool. Like like right. people in my circle who don't care about the planet at all, they're driving Teslas and they're, they think they're like so fancy. So yes, in that re- regard that's amazing, but I personally do worry that the tipping point in which consumers, citizens get on board is going to come too late. That's just a personal, yeah, worry that keeps me up at night. No, it does, <laughs> and
0: I, I think that that's why these conversations are so important, right? Because you know, people listening um, will hopefully get inspired to make uh, uh, some changes. I am a firm believer that if we all just made small changes, then it would ha- that would have a huge impact, and so. You know it's not going from zero to a hundred zero to hippie, like you don't have to do that. it's like making those little changes, and if we all got together and did some of that stuff, it would make a big difference down the road. so
1: I'm stealing that zero to hippie, zero to hippie. It. <laughs> i I'm
0: definitely you know up there on the hippie, back, but me too. <laughs> it did not happen overnight. <laughs> Hey friends, it's your host Jessica. I'm sure like me, you're passionate about creating a healthy, safe home for your loved ones. Did you ever hold a product in your hand trying to make sense of the long list of ingredients that seem to require a PhD to understand? Yeah, I've had that same experience too. That's why I decided to do something about it. I created a completely free label reading guide to help you demystify what's really in your household products. My guide zeroes in on the top three most harmful ingredients you need to look out for making it easier than ever to spot and avoid them. Armed with this guide, you'll feel empowered, capable of making informed decisions for your household, knowing that you're protecting your family from potential toxins. So are you ready to be a master of label reading and redefine clean living with me? Visit freelabelreadingguide.com to download your guide now. Together we can make clean living truly easy and transform our homes into the safe havens they're meant to be. Okay, so what do you think businesses, like talking about Elon Musk, um, and then also governments, what do you think their role in promoting sustainability is? And what are some examples of positive actions being taken in this
1: regard? So businesses exist to make profit. Um with the exception of certified B corporations, which is a whole nother topic for another day.
0: And if you is don't know what B Corps are, <laughs> look into it. Cause they're good. They're good companies to support.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, but with, with the exception of the B Corps, um, a business exists to make their stakeholders rich. Right. So um, I wouldn't say that they exist to um, help the planet unless helping the planet is a byproduct of making money uh, legislation and our elected officials are a completely different story the onus of responsibility is on them to do what's best for their constituents and do what the consist do what constituents want however um, our elected officials show us time and time again that um, they again place the desires of big business and desires of healthy economies over um, what's best for constituents and what's best for constituents' progenies. That's a lot of words and they like a big tongue twister. <laughs> but um, I would say, you know, personally, I feel consistently let down by elected officials at the local, the state, the national level, it doesn't matter what political party, like they consistently let me down from an environmental standpoint. And that again, keeps me up at night and again, infuriates me. And again, you know, raises my anxiety, but I always go back to what I can control. And what I can control is what's happening in my house. Um, And again, it just makes me double down on my efforts to do the absolute best I can. For some people that makes them hopeless, right? Like why even try? But for me, I must say it does the opposite.
0: Well, and if you're someone that's listening to this that has, that falls into that category because I understand that feeling of overwhelm, so you're like why do I even need to think about this because it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I know from personal experience that when consumers change their thought process and their buying patterns that Things shift in the personal care industry. This is a great example. There's now new legislation governing the industry. Companies have stepped up and started, you know, maybe some of it's greenwashing, but that'll soon change with the new legislation. But you know, things have shifted, and that's because we as consumers have become educated, and we have started to make our our concerns um, voice our concerns to people in power, our government officials, our representatives, and also by shifting our purchasing decisions. So that is holds so much weight. So if we all again, going back to what we were talking about before, make those small changes, um, it does have a huge impact. Um, and so then hopefully, eventually, that those things won't keep us up at night, because they also keep me up at night. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I hear, I hear you. And I choose to double down on that stuff, too, because I think it's so important. Um, it makes me feel a little bit better. How can we encourage more people to embrace this lifestyle? And what are some of the benefits that come with this lifestyle outside of the overall impact that has it on the envir- that it has on the environment. Um, we talked a little bit about how that helps with your mental clarity around your house. You're not worrying about where something's at because you don't have as much stuff, that kind of stuff. Is there any additional benefits that you feel like has come out of changing your lifestyle in this way?
1: Yeah, I think when it comes to like eco-friendly living or being labeled as an environmentalist, there's this Um, assumption that it's a drudgery. Like it's, oh, I got to do more work. I got to do this. I got to, it's harder. It's no fun. Um, But I have found personally, 100% that opposite is true. I absolutely think that eco-friendly living is fun. Learning new skills is fun. Uh, Teaching myself how to do something canning comes to mind like canning my own vegetables instead of buying cans with BPA on the shelves of the supermarket that lights me up teaching myself something it it gives me so much not only joy but like um self satisfaction in my ability to provide for my family all by myself like i don't need corporations to do it for me um i think that Again, in these eco friendly conversations, we always assume it's like a drag, but it's not. And I can't like convince anybody of that. You just got to dip a toe in and try it for yourself. I mean, think of it instead of, think of it instead of as helping the planet, think of it instead as teaching yourself or learning a new hobby, right? Put your, like, we are a self centered, Society, right? We tend rugged individualism. We tend to put ourselves first. In this regard, put yourself first. What can you? What new hobby can you um, learn to, you know, have fun and expand your horizons? Because usually, when we're teaching ourselves a self-sufficient hobby, knitting, sourdough making, beekeeping—I don't know, like name it. It's incredibly eco-friendly, but the eco-friendliness is secondary to the fact that you just taught yourself a new have you just taught yourself a new hobby and you had a great time doing it
0: yeah oh i love that well and i i think that you know as humans we're always looking for ways to expand our our you know skills and thought processes and all that stuff so i think that's a great way to look at it um for sure that's really awesome thank you for that one more question and then um then we'll wrap it up here but What's finally, what would, what advice would you give someone who is just starting out um, towards sustainability and wants to make a positive impact on the environment and the world around them outside of just simplifying, but like one little nugget that they can do right now today that will make an impact
1: down the road? Just one. I'm going to give you a couple. Okay. Give me a couple. That's fine. (laughs) In addition to the no spend challenge that we already discussed. In addition to paying attention to the the headlines, the news, because again, you got to get the why. Right. That's so if, important. You have to want to make these changes. Right. And if you don't know the like the how is again secondary. You need to be 120% on board with the why. So make sure you truly understand what's going on with this planet by educating yourself, get on the news cycle and stay on it. I would say then. After you do those two things, the third step would be to take one tiny, tiny little step towards eco-friendliness. So this is for newbies, for intermediates and advanced people listening, this is not going to apply. But like take a little step. Maybe that's hanging up your clothes (laughs) uh, instead of throwing them in the dryer. Um, That's going to not waste electricity. That's going to not contribute to microplastic pollution. It's going to make your clothes last longer uh, because, again, the high heat breaks them down, especially the synthetics, the AKA plastics in your clothes. So there's benefits um, to you, obviously, and there's also benefits to the planet there. That's like a tiny step. And again, we're going to do what we already talked about, which is that's the only change we're making for that adjustment period, until hanging up your clothes is second nature. And it's just something you do. Like I still use my dryer for my towels, everybody, like nobody wants a crusty towel, but, (laughs) but like for everything else, sheets and clothes, like you're hanging them up consistently and that feels easy and like doable. Once it feels easy and doable, then you tack on something else. Maybe you tack on, oh God, I mean, think of something really, really small, like nothing is too small, tack on something else, tack on something else. I'll just say for motivational purposes for the show, I've been doing this now for eight, eight years. I started really, really, really small. And those wins, those small wins snowball, right? They, um, Give me the successes that I need to get bees, to get chickens, like to make sourdough. It
0: opens up your mind and your ability to be able to add that stuff to your plate because you're doing all these other things that over time are just second
1: nature. Yes, you said that much better. Yes, so don't discount the small wins. Like um, double down on the small wins because the small wins you're going to put in your back pocket and you're going to call on them when you tackle the intermediate steps.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That is so amazing. Okay. So I cannot highly recommend enough going and checking out Stephanie's podcast and her blog, get her book for all of those things. Once you get to that next step, when you're ready to like add more things to your, to your eco-friendly sustainable journey, um, you know, she is there to help guide you down that path. Um, You will learn so much from her. So, so glad that you were here. I'll make sure to put all the links in the show notes. Um, What's your Instagram handle? You can just put that out there.
1: Sustainable Minimalist. It's also the title of my podcast.
0: Yep. So go check out both of those. And again, I'll put the links in the... um, in the show notes, so you guys can go and and connect with her and learn from her. So thank you, Stephanie, for being here. This was amazing. I learned a lot. I can't wait to go start implementing some new things into my life. So I appreciate that. And we will talk
1: to you all on our next episode. Thank you so much, Jessica. This was a blast.
0: Thanks for listening to the Clean Living Made Easy podcast. If you want more, head over to cleanlivingmadeeasypodcast.com for show notes and links to all the products or discount codes mentioned in today's episode. If you'd like to be notified when new podcast episodes are released or to join the Clean Product Junkie community, head over to cleanproductjunkie.com and join our mailing list. See you in the next episode.